We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. Hello and welcome. To what? Hello, audience. Pragmatic Duelism. We're here again. Yeah. This is the podcast where we tell you all about doula stuff. So we're here to do it again to you this week. And well, then we'll I'm, just like leave you alone. Maybe. But I'd like to point out that t- so this week a meme came out that made me absolutely howl. Um, you know you're a whatever Gen X or if you're wearing a side part, skinny jeans and something else. And I realized as I walked yeah. into my office this morning that I've got my side part and my skinny jeans on. <laughs> like, I'll own it. And I, I need these high rise skinny I'm jeans. I take exception to that. I feel like people are just like grasping at stupid straws. Because well, what I'm, do side parts have to do, do? Is Are they not no longer trendy or what? I always have a side part because I don't like how my hair looks when it's parted down the middle like what what? I don't understand and skinny jeans there's all kinds of I was told that when I wore boot cut jeans that made me look old and now they're saying skinny jeans make me look old and who who wants a center part you know I when I think center part I think two things my mother in the 70s or 60s yes wearing her flower child dress with her middle part and long straight hair and I think of alfalfa well no see that's inappropriate (laughs) I I think of I think of Marsha Brady Marsha Brady that's right we're not okay over here with center parts no that's ridiculous I have no part (laughs) you have a ponytail today yeah now we could go hardcore I've got a thing here and I could try the old 1980s bump anyone remember this sucker oh that's offside and let's see can I do it with a? <laughs> no, no it's you not can't harder. do it oh. with a paper Ow! clip what the hell are you doing <laughs> you have to order one of those bump it things that were <laughs> the tv in the middle of the night um that you put to make the back of your hair look like you you had like a small child under there just like lump it up like this it was ridiculous it's always ridiculous and let me tell you something about the way people do their eyebrows these days that is delicious <laughs> <laughs> so in five years i wouldn't even say five in two years we're all going to look back at these stupid eyebrows that people have these days and we're going to say good god what the hell were we thinking i don't appreciate eyebrows these days so if that's what i need to do to be like on trend or whatever not doing it not happening uh-uh so i don't know the 90s had those super skinny brows too do you remember how how it's teeny tiny like everybody's look, walking around looking like joan crawford see okay now I'm <laughs> now i now i'm really dating myself but they'll give the thick like blocky eyebrows that look completely no no i'm they sorry look cartoonish they do they do they're like anime and so that's what you're telling me i should be doing 
fuck off. No, 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 no. Because you're old, you mm. shouldn't be doing that. Because if yeah. you did that, then they'd call you out on that. So you, you just you just live your life over your old life over in this corner here. Just don't try to embrace what they're doing because then they'll call you out on it. Thank you very much. I shall not. Now, are there any new fashiony beauty things that you have embraced? Um, no. <laughs> I did, however, do a flashback the other day and decided to wear a side ponytail while listening to the Billboard Top 100 of 1984, 85, one of those two. Okay. And it helped me get through cooking dinner. So you actually went back to the past. You didn't. I did. That's not embracing something in the present. Those no. lights you got are pretty on trend, Kim. Those are pretty uh, trendy. So. My glasses. Yeah, there you go. Everyone needs a good pair. Well, that's just so I don't get a goddamn headache and want to gouge my eyes out. Yeah, do you get the burn? Do you get like the burn around, the, like literally the rims of your eyes feel like they're burning from staring at a screen? They feel dry, yeah. Yeah, mm. I get dry too, dry. Sometimes I'm I'm reading at night and I've got one eye closed because that one yep. eye is drier than the other eye. So I'm like, okay, I'll use my good eye for the next 10 minutes and then I'll go to sleep. Oh, whatever. They're all, they'll be lucky if they get to this place <laughs> in their 50s. Or you can look with scorn at all of the stupid bullshit our, the younger generation is doing. <laughs> but you know what they are doing? And I have to just admit a little bit of envy here. I've never been a makeup wearer. I, I, I didn't even like, I didn't pluck my eyebrows till I was 30 years old. Um, I get, 50 and still I, haven't plucked my eyebrows, except that little <laughs> space in between. Yes. And that's what I started with, was that space in between. Um, yeah, it was literally the year I got married uh, to Roger. I, I let them do my, my brows, and that was it. Um, wow, it's been a couple of years. But um, I love how amazingly artistic young people are with makeup these days not my thing. I would not have, I, I, I don't like it enough to sit down and spend that kind of time, but I am amazed by some of the, like my daughter will walk out of her room and say, today is this theme and she'll own it. I'm like, I, how, why does my makeup look caked on when I do shit like that? And you just look like someone like brushed an artist. Uh, like you look like art, you look like art. <laughs> and it's amazing. And I have a little bit of envy around that. It's I don't envy that some people feel like they have to look that way in real life. Yeah. Like, you know, you have to be Instagram perfect in real life because we're not. But I love the artistry. I, I feel like it's getting a lot of people through this pandemic stuff. You're being at home and some people are artists on paper, on canvases, and some people are artists on their face. That's yeah. true. I'm, I'm, I've got no desire. I don't wear, like when I put... I have like a cover-up powder that I put on just to even myself out, but even that, it feels like it feels like I have five thousand pounds dragging on my skin. I hate wearing makeup. I'll wear eyeliner and eye and eye mascara, and that's it. I'm done. Like I can't. I don't have the time. Yeah. And it looks terrible on me. What I, I will admit, though, I am 100% enviable 
of people with good lips. You can see I have no lips. I have a line. <laughs> I, I think lipstick is beautiful, amazing. I would totally embrace it, but I have no lips. I have no upper lip. And lipstick is the one thing that I would wear yep. all the time, even when I didn't feel like wearing makeup. And I still, I wear lip balm all the time because I just, yeah. it's a habit now. But I usually like on the first class of a series, I might put some bronzer and some mascara on I, because nowadays that that's like a, but then the rest of the five weeks, I don't put anything on. This is it. That's it. That's what they get. Um, and now there's no point in lipstick. You go out, you put your mask on so nobody can see your beautiful lipstick. So nobody can see that I have no lip. And nobody can see that you have no lips. And, but what they can see is that you have beautiful long eyelashes. True. Yes, yeah. I did my mascara last night. And when I put my glasses on to read in the night, because I don't take my makeup off at night, <laughs> I kept hitting my glasses. <laughs> like, what the hell is that? I'm like reaching yeah. and going, no, it's not a hair. It's just my eyelashes being pushed down into my eyes from the glasses. Yeah, you've been blessed with hair in all the places that matter. All the places that matter. <laughs> There's no point to have your hair. Uh, I, I gotta uh, do my upper lip. <laughs> I have that problem now with chin hairs, uh, and I don't like. I'm not a hairy person. I have no hair on my arms. I have no hair on my legs. I've never had to shave my legs. Um, you know Lanugo, right? Sure. You know yes. Lanugo. Yes. Yeah. When I was born, I was covered in Lanugo oh. from head to toe. Wow. My dad thought there was something wrong with me, quote unquote. <laughs> of course, he wasn't actually in the delivery room when I was born. So after when he saw you afterwards, it's like, uh, what is this? Yeah. I, she's so hairy. My he sister's thought, super hairy, but none of my babies were that were hairy. I don't know. I was, I was covered in it and it all fell out except and up it, here. And then went to your head. Yeah migrated up here so I'm wondering if so I don't know if I'm like when this lockdown ends if I'm going to get a haircut embrace my inner crystal gale or just wait and see how long my hair has to be before my neck snaps because <laughs> I think if I wanted to lose like three or four pounds I'd just shave my head yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering it's about heavy. Uh, when my hair gets this long, it's super annoying. <laughs> Don't have very thick hair like Kim does, but God, I don't like it when it gets long enough that it can like go under your armpit like that. Yeah, mine's not that, that drives long. Me insane. Night, that drives me insane because I'm completely like, Oh, Oh, so I have to sleep with it up in like in a scrunchie, which is fine. But it's uh, too long for health because the ends are like super dry. So I'm one, I'm constantly looking at Pinterest for um, appropriate, good, uh, beautiful haircuts for women over 50, <laughs> you know, long bobs, shaggy haircut, whatever. I'm looking at all of these different things and I'm playing with all of these things in my mind, but 
I, I kind of also want to feel like, well, should I stop? How long should I leave it? Maybe just let it get as long as possible. I don't know. I might cut it in the summer. I think I might cut it all off in the summer, like short, like here. It's a thought. How long is your hair, Steph? Have you cut it since lockdown? Um, yes, because I went for when salons were still open, my client was moving from here in Toronto up to like Sudbury or something. And she'd been harassing me to come get my hair done by her. Yeah, yeah, I remember. So I think it was this time last year, I went and got a good chop done. And uh, yeah, but that was it. So it's about a year ago. And I guess it's like out of frame now. Mm -hmm. it's, we are about three fingers under my nipple. See, there we go. <laughs> yours, because of the way yours is, fairly straight like that yours would be easy to cut at home it would be and I think my children so my children my my daughters my youngest two um have thick wavy beautiful Egyptian hair and they covet my hair which is just straight like it doesn't hold a curl I try to do other things with it it doesn't stay that way um, it just falls flat real quick. Just like some people hit moisture and their hair goes frizzy, I hit moisture and mine gets straighter. Like <laughs> that's all it does. So they've been eyeing me up and I can tell that they're considering trying to, they're probably gonna do a, some sort of proposal where they get to cut my hair. We've cut Allie's twice. We followed, we followed uh, some Instagram. She's been, she, studied some Instagram, uh, not Instagram, uh, YouTube videos and whatnot. And she's cut hers twice. I help her every now and then at the back just to even things out. But yeah, no, her and her hair looks good. Like her hair would be as long as yours at this point. But I think it's about just at the shoulder now from the last time we cut it. It looks really good, actually. Does she, has any of your kids inherited your beautiful thickness lushness I think Thomas has but his starts out really weird like his hair kind of grows like straight up but now with it not having been cut in a year he has like a nice flow so he's got uh it's quite heavy now and it's quite thick actually Will's is quite thick too but he's got a bit of a receipt <laughs> which he's fairly unhappy with but um, his hair isn't as thick as mine, I don't think. You're not gonna want that. Mm -mm. Nope. Well, I have, I have, I have uh, the, the most different hair. All my kids have different hair, but they're all, and mine is the very different compared to theirs too. I spent all my life dying for curly hair, and my hair is the curliest it's ever been in my whole life. It doesn't look like it now when it's long and I've slept on it and brushed it out and combed it out and everything. But now that I know that, oh yeah, it's actually kind of curly. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I really don't care. Now that I know that, oh, if I wanted curly hair, all I got to do is wash it and leave it. Right. But now I don't. And besides, I'm only washing my hair every week and a half now. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, today's my day. <laughs> I, I only do it on the weekend. Um, sorry I can't go out I'm washing my hair <laughs> yeah. I now understand that statement guys yep. I now understand that statement mm -hmm. yep <sighs> all right so let's get to this 
We've got a land acknowledgement to read for us. Yep. So um, I would like to recognize and acknowledge the land upon which I live, raise my children, work, and support birthing parents in the traditional, is the traditional territories of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Ashinabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. While a land acknowledgement is not enough, it is an important social justice and decolonial practice that promotes Indigenous visibility and is a reminder that we are on settled Indigenous lands. Let this land acknowledgement be an opening for all of us to contemplate a way to join in Indigenous movements for sovereignty and self-determination. So before we, let me turn my little, my phone off so we don't keep getting, um, oh, I guess my invoice did get sent because I got a thank you from our new manager. Okay, we'll see. Um, before we get into the meat of our discussion today, I wanted to mention a couple of things, a couple of things, a couple of things. First one is, are we not going to mention? You're frozen. You froze. You froze. You froze right here. You froze. You were like, <laughs> you, you were like dabbing. <laughs> okay. Can you hear me now? I moved yes. downstairs and I don't expect there to be any problem today. God damn it. Um, All right. I, I wasn't going to tell you that you were a little, couple little issues. Oh my God. And I am paying a million dollars for Wi-Fi. Okay. That's just, <laughs> just so you know. Um, yeah. I'm saying, can we talk about Kim's new podcast? Yeah. Oh, right. Yes. Let us do that. Please tell us your podcast is called what's it birth called? And, birth and Parenty Things. Birth and Parenty Things starring Kimberly Fernandez. Me on my own. Yeah, I, uh, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, when the, when the pandemic hit, I uh, kind of wanted to do something different. And it kind of makes you, the whole pandemic kind of made you think about things differently, um, and what the future was going to hold and, and whatnot. And I wanted to concentrate because we do a lot for doulas, we do a lot of you know stuff for doulas and I mean this in this podcast is really sort of designed for that and I realized that sort of my my main happiness my main where I find my thing um, is in talking to parents and and teaching uh, pregnant families and whatnot so I decided that I was going to start a podcast that uh, focused on that um, but the way I've sort of done this podcast is it comes in three sections. So, and they're not very long. The second one's about, which I've already recorded is about 45 minutes. Um, but this one is, the first one's only at like half an hour. And it's in three sections. So the first section is birth. The second section is parenting. And the third section is weird and wonderful, fun stuff from the news. 
and uh, and what I've sort of come across or fell across in the in the times of uh, today. So today I'm going to be recording. Um, uh, that part is going to be the invention of the chainsaw, which was not for trees. The original invention of the chainsaw was to cut the pubic bone during cesarean births. Which we which we talked about when we did our book club of um, uh, what was it called? What was that book called with the with the pandemic? This by Emma. Oh Dodd right, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, there was an incident. The pull in of the there. stars. There was a part in there. Pull of the stars. There we go. Star. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna talk about the origins of that today. Well, that's crazy. That's a good one. I like that. A little bit of weird birth history. Mm. Weird birth history. Because I think they moved on from that to like a pair of basically shears, right? Wasn't it like like a pair of shears that came into fashion after that? Can you imagine? And, and without anesthetic. And without anesthetic. Because it's the same type of shears, like the big meat shears that they use when they're breaking up the ligaments in an animal. Literally right? going to vomit right at this moment. Wow. Sorry about please, that. Please excuse me. I'll be back. So we want all of <laughs> our audience to also um, Check go it out. to Birth and Parenting Things starring Kimberly Fernandez. Please go ahead and do the and rate, review, and subscribe. Same rules apply, okay? Same rules apply. Yeah. And it's not, and the- it's not on Apple yet. It's uh, that yeah. will hopefully come up in a week or so, but it is currently on Spotify. Yeah. And it's on my Google Podcasts. My podcast app is called podcasts <laughs> that's all it is I, I suspect the android one that you have is is probably spotify i have an iphone oh do you yeah and it's like you have like the new one don't you oh that's apple yeah that one there so yeah and i also have spotify so yeah i can get it everywhere everywhere i want there you but go but i did have that that um podcast app i think no i don't think i had it when i had my android phone but mm. oh it is on it is on apple yet they just haven't told me okay there you go (laughs) i'm excited i just learned something new today there you go i subscribe to myself now you're swimming with the big kids though there you go yeah there you go anyways Um, i try to be funny i try to be human i try to be normal i try to be common sense pragmatic mm-hmm. 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 So. all of the values that we have that's right perfect um right. Thank I, you for that. Mention, I also wanted to mention one other thing um and most people who are listening most people who are listening from toronto or or canada anyways know that i am a part of the ontario black doula society and we, we are having um something called care conversations that talks about the importance of doula care. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna have conversations with um, other healthcare practitioners. We're actually gonna have a conversation with an OB and um, a midwife. And that is happening on February 25th. February. Sorry, what's the date? Yeah. 25th? 25th. February 25th. Okay. Am I still freezing and jigging and jagging? No, yes. a, a little Not bit, badly. but 
you guys talked at the same time so i didn't it blended yeah so yes february 25th at 4 p.m and uh it's an hour-long panel discussion and uh it's an event bright an event bright event so if you go to the ontario black doulas on instagram or facebook or wherever you can find information about the care conversation and then you can register for that event if you if you would like okay so there you go do it it's good. i like that i do think that some of the links on instagram were malfunctioning today though so if you go don't think that there's a problem you might just have to do it online or do it on a computer i tried to do three things through links on instagram today three completely different sites being taken to and i kept getting kicked out of them um and whereas like, using my phone regularly and using instagram regularly was fine but every time i went to a link there was like a lull or i got kicked back out or it wouldn't proceed to the next page so that happened for the event you're talking about, Suzanne. Mm -hmm. um, it happened, I, I was going to the Roots site because there was I wanted to see if they had something in stock. And I went to the Starbucks site because I wanted to see what was in one of the drinks because I was gonna stop and grab one for Roger. And all, all three times I used links, it wasn't working properly. So maybe it's just my phone, but it was weird that it went to three different sites and still had the same problem. Okay, well, I'm just trying it now and it's fine. It actually went to uh, Eventbrite to write to the, the, the thing. Awesome. And yeah, so try it now. Keep trying. I will do so. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So there's that. Um, speaking of long hair, my stupid hair keeps getting caught in the, the little thingies on this chair here. And I keep on having to pull it out. Or sometimes this is another thing I hate about long hair. My hair gets wrapped around my pop socket on my phone. Like I'm having a conversation, blah, blah, blah. And then I move my phone away and ah, there's like three strands of hair. I lose more hair this way than anything. Time to get a haircut. Yeah. Well, I mean, you would, it would have to be pretty short to not get caught, wouldn't it? I guess, yes. <laughs> you have to be like one of those haircuts where it's all buzzed around your ears. That's not happening. Not with this face. A little faux hawk? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, what are we talking about today? Trainings. Doula trainings. Or really, I think what brought us to the idea of discussing doula trainings was the need for doula trainings to evolve. I'm going to try to stop my video. Okay, there. Oh. Let me try that and see if it helps because okay, whatever. Yeah. Doula trainings. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's what I mean. The necessary evolution of it, I think, is really what we were when we were discussing things that were important to talk about. We were talking about how the, you know, we can sit here and pick apart trainings, but really having some direction or what's needed or what we're excited about in trainings that are evolving, I think is what we wanted to actually talk about. Oh, oh, can I actually touch on something about a quick evolution of something? So in yeah. New Zealand, I don't know if you guys saw this the other day on the news, but a Maori leader um, stood up to speak in parliament yesterday and, or two days ago. And, for, and 
all of a sudden there somebody, another person in parliament took issue with what he was wearing. This is a Maori leader. And it became quite tense because they said that you are not wearing a tie. You're not wearing appropriate attire um, for attending, for attending parliament. And between him and his supporters, he fucked that shit up real quick. He called the accessory, and it's appropriate, a colonial noose. And that it had absolute, this is not about wearing ties, it's about cultural identity. And if you're going to embrace the cultural identity of the Maori people, the actual people of New Zealand, then you have to change these policies. And he talked about it on record in there before leaving parliament, and he spoke about it to the news outside. Within 24 hours, that shit was changed. It got called out, it got called out at numerous levels and within 24 hours, he was back in there. So it goes to show that everywhere, a lot of people look up to New Zealand because of how they have handled the past two years. Yep, but, and then they themselves were the first ones to say, man, we got work to do. We still got fucking work to do. And within 24 hours- And did it, changed. did the yeah. work. Literally within 24 hours, acknowledging we have more work to do if this is what someone is taking an issue with. And it, it changed. So it's a temporary thing that came, they had to put a temp, temporary motion up saying that someone can present to parliament without a tie. Um, but it acknowledged that we need to, we need to do better, not just at the actual thing, but in people's understanding of, of how basically insulting it is to tell somebody that you can't be here if you're not dressed a particular way. So I loved that I literally went to bed reading one thing that was upsetting um, and ridiculous. This is a representative leader um, in New Zealand who, because he was wearing a traditional dress, was not allowed to present. It's like, he's a traditional leader. He like literally leads his people there. Um, and woke up to the new to the news that it was over it was like yeah fuck we fucked up we are continuing to fuck up obviously if we let that stay on the books so we're taking it off the books so movement as soon as you hear it review it and make the change required um yeah so i was really excited to to see that to see that type of change and we can we can do that change we can absolutely do what, what's her name say glendon doyle glendon doyle we can do hard things we can say it's hard and we can still do it. Uh, so you mean they didn't have to strike a royal commission? No, they just said, let's change it. To study and the history of ties, the symbolism of ties, the history yep. of indigenous uh, dress, the how colonialism has impacted the Maori people, et cetera, et cetera. They didn't have to like dive deep into the issue to make sure that they were doing the right thing. They just quickly said, yeah, that's right. You made a good point. Let's yeah. stop this bullshit. Amazing. All the other, yeah, all the other steps have to happen to make the change, like to make it on the board or in the books type thing. But in action, it's like, no, we're going to make it right right now. Yeah. So then he presented afterwards about the how Maori people are overrepresented in, in prisons and, and, in, uh, and in poverty in New Zealand and how he'd like to see that that change that's what he was literally there to talk about when he got called out on his dress mm -hmm. so uh he was able to eventually speak to speak to parliament the next day that's awesome i love yeah. um new zealand is a beacon of 
of um, openness to change, willingness to change. Yep. And as I am 6% Pacific Islander, <laughs> I feel a commiseration with that. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Um, is that a good segue into trainings? I what, think so, because yeah. trainings are changing. Trainings are changing. How? Tell us, enlighten us. I haven't been I, in the trainings for a long time. Both of no. you probably have more than me, but. Well, you know, I love trainings, right? So I went, I went looking about for what's happening in, um, in here in Canada. And obviously I think the discussions are happening around changes to trainings about, so things like um, making sure it's available to all. So what can we do about fees where the trainers get paid what they need to get paid, um, but we also make way for those who might not be able to financially afford it. So we're seeing more trainers at an individual level. I'm not saying overall yet that I've seen a giant set of directives but like, you know, when, when Kim was training for Kappa, this is a long time ago, she already had um, scholarships set up. So if somebody came and said, this is, I'd really love to take this training, but financially speaking, this isn't um, feasible for me, you know, scholarships had been set up and set aside. Suzanne, you as a doula, you have a basically a scholarship set up so people can contribute so that you can attend people who need attending. And I'm happy to see more and more trainers across the board, you know, Dona, Kappa, ICEA, all of those trainers and stuff are often now offering openly, it's not kind of quiet anymore, um, scholarships. And they're doing things to make it happen. So offering people the option of uh, contributing a little bit more when they're doing their training so that they can do it. Uh, looking into how they can apply for grants so that they can afford to have people in. So I love seeing that those, those type of things in trainings outside of the like before even you get into the training just making them accessible that's probably my fav most favorite thing i'm seeing and yeah it is um it is across the board well that's excellent i think that 2020 really jolted a lot of people into awareness i mean very often it takes um horrible tragedy for people to recognize the changes that need to be made. And I think that's what happened last year for, for many places. And it, it is heartening to know that the doula community is stepping up to that in more than one way. Trainings is one big way, but it's not the only way. So yeah, that's good. Making, making trainings more accessible, that's absolutely, that is very much needed. Yeah. It is, especially in getting doulas of many backgrounds. You know, there's, you know, there's cis white doulas who over here who make up the majority of what we've seen, what we see online, what we see in trainings. But we really need doulas from all backgrounds, from all genders, from all walks of life, so that people from all walks of life can feel seen and heard and safe in their birthing experience. Um, there is a group in Nova Scotia, I believe, called wellnesswithin.org, and they do doula trainings, and yeah, I believe they're in Nova Scotia. They are Canadian, but specifically meant to 
Yes, they are. Embrace, educate, not only the public, but also to train birth workers who are feminists, actively anti-racist, anti-poverty. So working in the framework of that being part of the training, that being part of the education, um, really. And I just don't, training, education, learning, like growing as a person. They want the people that come into their trainings to grow as a person. Um, and, and I love that. I love that they're ongoing support, that they stay in touch, that, um, that it's set up to be a continuous system. So yeah, and, and I just, I love that. I love, love, love that. Especially a, a good part of the work that they're also doing is ensuring that persons who are giving birth in, in the prison system have support without judgment. You know, um, there's so much shame about things in many walks of life, but particularly it might seem like a small subset, but really if we're not trying to heal everybody, then really can, can we heal anybody? Like if we're not, if the grand scheme, we might be able to focus on one area, but if we're able to focus on a larger area or have people that that's important to, I'd love to support people who want to do maybe those, what seems like a smaller offset or something that might be less popular. You know what I mean? People who might not fully support someone who's in prison being treated with respect while trying to bring a life into this world. Yeah. That's where I put my energy. Yeah, I hear you. Um, it's also heartening to see, recognize and acknowledge that the people who are doing the trainings themselves, the doula trainers, the owners of organizations that offer training, that they themselves are seeking education. Yes. But they're seeking out their own education. How, how do you offer an anti-oppressive doula training? How do you use that framework um, in your curriculum? How do you set up that structure? And that kind of knowledge and information doesn't just pop into your head. So trainers need to be trained. And I do see that happening. That People are seeking out ways to educate themselves um, so that the offerings that they're putting out into the world are not harmful for people in all different ways. And, and a small aside to that, which we experienced today, was the region of Durham's Black History Month scavenger hunt. So they chose not to educate themselves. Somebody chose not to educate themselves. Whoever approved it had chosen not to educate themselves and inadvertently did harm, where part of them may have had the very best of intentions, but if you don't understand what it is you're trying to share or trying to encourage, then you can do harm. And I mean, it was, you, you I laughed at some of it, but I laughed with discomfort. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, that's fucking horrible. Like, and it, I laughed, or maybe I laughed with the ridiculousness is if that's a, a thing. It's like, and also just felt a little like I was going to vomit in my mouth. Like you, as Black, like that, that is what comes from not having the education and hell, if you have fear of not being well-educated enough about something, then don't guess or maybe do guess, but then you might, and who knows, maybe that's how you're going to get rerouted to the correct information, but, but go, 
go do it. Go, go educate yourself a little bit more. If you're feeling unsure, go look for the good education so that we don't end up inadvertently harming. We're, we're going to hurt people. We're people, we're humans, we're going to hurt people, but we can do our best to not do so or to be mindful. So that whole fiasco, they've been called out on it in a big, big way, yes. but it, it really does speak to lack of representation and inclusivity in the region of Durham. Uh, so the bottom line is if your corporation does not have appropriate representation, if you don't actively seek out inclusivity, you're going to do stupid shit like this by telling um, to celebrate Black History Month, people in the organization need to dance to a reggae song or speak to a Black coworker. <laughs> and there's so much stupid fucked up nonsense in that whole thing that it was ridiculous because first of all, it was geared to white people. Problem number one is geared towards making white people aware or something. And that's not what Black History Month is about. <laughs> yeah, tell me how dancing to a reggae song embraces the experience of Black Canadians. Exactly. Reggae is a very, very specific <laughs> form of music that comes from one specific place. Like all Black people listen to reggae, Come, give me a break. Why didn't they say jazz? Why didn't they say whatever? Why didn't they just say nothing? That's a dumb, it was a dumb idea. And the bottom line is lack of representation and inclusivity in that corporation led to this. So this is how training organizations can avoid these dumbass missteps is to have people in your organization that represent diversity out there in the world and or build bridges and make connections with organizations like the OBDS, the Ontario Black Dual Society, so that you have people that you can um, collaborate with and whatever. Just don't be out there. Like, I can't just imagine who sat in a boardroom and put a stop of approval on this stupidity. It was ridiculous. So me and my, my cousins and my sister, we have a book. Lost you. We lost you again. Where your, your rest away. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, sorry, we lost you we, for- We lost you. 20, what was the last seconds. thing you heard me say? I just heard Rastawig after hearing like 10 seconds of nothing. My cousins and I, and we have a book club group and we have been um, howling about this all morning. And so one of the things somebody said was, yeah, you get 10 extra points if you wear your Rastawig to work. <laughs> oh, it was so, it's so bad. It's so, and I cannot believe in 2021, really? Really? Oh my God. We have to laugh or else we'll just curl up in a ball and cry nonstop. So, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, to bring it back to organizations that offer trainings, this is the kind of thing that you need to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you this too. People who are looking for trainings, doulas of color or, or potential doulas, of color who are looking for trainings, not only has awareness been raised among white folks, everybody has had their awareness raised, 
and I am looking critically. My eyes are now quite critical when I look at organizations that don't have representation, they're not inclusive, they're not diverse, and they're saying nothing about the issues that are affecting marginalized people. They all have these big, big social media voices to promote themselves, but they're saying zero about racism, homophobia, transphobia, poverty, reproductive justice. And I'm not saying that your organization needs to be all about that doom and gloom, but in order to make it at least appear as if you give a shit about that stuff, you need to say something. Yeah, 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 you're great. You know, all sorts of, you're great support people, blah, blah, blah. But this is what I'm saying, potential duels of color, and there are a lot, are looking with critical lenses at um, organizations that are offering trainings because people have now realized that, hey, not only am I sick and tired of being the one, the only, the token, the whatever, but actually I don't have to put up with it. Oh, and so people are not going to. So there you go. Fix your tra trainings accordingly. So you mentioned there that you're looking, I mean, everywhere you can, we can look with a critical eye at every business we choose to give our money to. But Suze, you, you know, being in the, in the birth world, in the world that supports growing families in Toronto, um, are there any sites that birth related who have really, besides your own beloved OBDS, um, who really have what feels like great representation to you in the birth world as you've done your looking around? Any trainings that you're really impressed with? Mm, not really, <laughs> not yet. There are some that are better than others. And in this department, I would say that Bibomia has always been like on the forefront of talking about this stuff. Now I have never taken a Bibomia training, but I have heard other people speak about it in that way. And in the casual glances that I've had looking at their stuff, I would say that they're at least aware. They're at least aware of um, what's happening out there and they may not be perfect, but they, cause you're talking specifically about trainings, right? There yeah. are, there are doula collectives and individual doulas who are out there really doing a lot of good shit. But if we're talking specifically about trainings, then that's what I'm seeing. Now there may be other organizations that are doing things a little bit more low key, a little bit more behind the scenes. But what I'm saying is you can't be low key and behind the scenes because people are scrolling, people are swiping. So you need to like jump out right away with your shit. If you, wanna, if, you, if you want to allow the public to know what you stand for and what your values are, you've got to be out there doing it. And then you have to put it in practice in an everyday kind of way. And so you asked me, and I'm, I'm going to say Bebo Mia, not that they're perfect and not that they've got everything going on, but they're from before, from before 2020, I saw that they were people who were at least involved in the struggle, involved uh -huh. in the struggle to be better. 
I don't know whatever else. So I make zero comment about anything else that they've said or done or whatever, but in that, that department, yes. So if we were to go back, not go back, actually, if we were to go forward and you were to choose a training today and you're scrolling through different training organizations, what, and I ask this of all of us, what would you love to see included in a training? these days like what or what would be an absolute must what has to be in a training today that would would make you say yes I want to put my money on that versus the training that you did say 20 years ago Kim go am first I, am I frozen honestly I don't know um uh communication maybe i don't know i mean aside from the uh inclusivity and whatnot i mean that's we just talked about that i mean that's obviously a given but i think how to communicate with families with doulas with care providers doctors and midwives I think sometimes I see a lot of doulas that are just, you know, going in and burning down hospitals and it's like, whoa, fuck, hold on a second here. I think we need to, you know, I'm not saying play nice, but I think we need to negotiate a little bit better for the sake of our clients to not, you know, set fire to the birthing room while this person is having a baby. Like that advocacy is not for the birthing room that's that or not advocacy that sort of you know political charged you know stuff outside outside of the birthing room let's learn how to you know let's learn how to talk and negotiate so that we can get the best thing for our for the families and and how to talk to them to talk to their care providers I don't know. I, I mean, I get, I guess I think I'm at this point where I kind of am stepping back from all of this because there's so much out there that needs to have that, you know, charge, that protest, that, that stuff. I'm kind of old at this point and I just want to step back and, and not be, I don't, to be quite honest, I don't even want to be in the birthing room anymore. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can't tell you. Well, I just thought of something. Um, Go for it. So yes, what we just spoke about representation, inclusivity, and all that sort of stuff is, is a given. And um, people are looking at those things with a critical lens. But what I can say, as somebody who, who offers doula mentorship to brand new doulas, what I can say is, check out trainings that have a solid uh, base in their curriculum about how to actually run a business. So I'm not talking a whole business course, but how to be a doula in this world. How do you manage your 
things because, well, one of the reasons that I think, and I'm going to just straight up say it, I think that a lot of, is everybody frozen? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you guys hear me? Now I can hear you. Okay. Um, I'm going to just straight up say that I think that a lot of the organizations that are out there are also agency owners and they're training doulas to work in their agencies. They're not training doulas to be entrepreneurs. They're not training doulas to have their own birth practice practices, birth business practices, you know, as a, a solid living. That's not what I'm seeing. I'm seeing people who are being showed how to do the double hip squeeze, how to swaddle a baby, and then being brought on board to agencies. And that makes me so fucking mad because not every, some people do want that. Some, and that's fine. But there are so many doulas out there who finish their training and they're like, okay, yeah, I feel like, well, now what do I do? How do I, how do I run an interview? Why are people being told that in a training? So the basics of running a birth business needs to be a part of trainings. And that is a big chunk. That is a huge part of it. It's not enough to just know, you know, what to put in your doula bag. It's not enough. You need to also know how to speak to people in an interview, how to run a prenatal, how to run two prenatals. Uh, what do you do, how to make a contract with, with the potential clients, that kind of stuff. That's missing. In a, in a big way in a lot of the trainings that are out there. That almost sounds like its own course. So would you have a standard doula training and then like an offshoot if you're looking to, which is fine if you're choosing to join an agency, but then have like a business branch. Like are you choosing also doula entrepreneurship or doula start your own agency? Like should these be included in a training? Well, that's what I would look for in a training. Yeah. If people didn't want to start a training organization, they can structure it any way they want. But that's what I personally would look in a training, look for in a training. Yeah. Awesome. Hmm. I can see that being important, um, especially in this day and age where everyone talks, like, we, again, if we're doing it in, in this day, entrepreneurship has exploded um and i think like you said many doulas come into this just for a for to do the work because they're excited about doing the work but b they and they believe they're going to just run their own business i think the assumption is for most who do the training is that they're going to run their own business not that they're going to work for an agency um and again i'm not anti-agency because some people just want to go to work do the work they love and then have someone else give them a t4 you know which is awesome too. Someone else does the tax stuff. You don't have to, you know, very little has to happen for you. Even if you have an agency who you can literally dump all your receipts on them at the end of the year and they do all of it. I mean, that would be an awesome option for uh, a lot for, of, people. yeah, for a lot of people just to have an agency who also does your taxes for you, yes. you know, yeah. um, you track your mileage and everything here. I am getting, well, here, look, I'm getting a business idea. <laughs> Um, hold that thought. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, I love the idea of, of more of that. I think, so coming, what, what is missing from trainings these days? Yep, doing a, I mean, 
my my training many moons ago did come with a standard contract and why it was important and all of that stuff uh, to have a contract and to and it's funny because you and I had the same trainers. Yep, I um, don't get any of that. No, it wasn't in your like your handy dandy book that you brought home with all of your handouts and. Do you remember I that? Remember there being a book. And, and I'm also saying this based on, also I need to say I'm not anti-agency either. Agencies do a lot of great work and they it's, it's a good, good fit for a lot of people. Um, but I do think it's important to be able to point out people's options that working in an agency is one option. Running your business on your own is another option. Forming a collective is another option. And those, and I'm seeing people as a mentor, I'm saying uh, people are coming to me clue like absolutely like blank what do i do now what do i do now that's what i'm saying is not is not out there how do i get my first client how do i even talk to people how do i get myself out there who in my community what do i do what do i do what do i do and that's not i mean i'm not saying that trainings have to also offer mentorship but it should at least get people started out there in the world this is your training now go you know again that's what i would be looking for it may not be important to everybody but that's what i would have appreciated a heck of a lot more than that in what i did get from my training and i know I, for you i kind of figured things out trial and error on my own i did get hired by a, a big agency two big agencies in, the, in my early years and that's where i got my experience from so obviously agencies are good for that, but I think that there needs to be more confidence building and here are some good steps that you can take after you leave this training and go. And I know Kim meaning that you, you. And you froze again. <laughs> and so did Stephanie. Her face was like. <laughs> well, I was saying that Kim, Kim, Kim does, Kim's training offered a lot of hand holding after the trainings was was over, and I think people need that. A lot of people need that and appreciate it. I think so, that yeah. lends itself to what you've said about you know many things that we've discussed here revolve around having a circle of community for many transitions in life. You know, being in the birth world is just one, but um, hello, Roger. Um, yeah, being in the birth world is just one. And this is a big one. This is a big transition. You've literally chosen to take a path in life that changes the tra trajectory. It's a new role for you, or maybe it's not, maybe you're just doing a training after the fact, but yeah, building that community right from the get-go is a missed opportunity. If you're not doing it, it's a missed opportunity for the person who did the training. It's a missed opportunity for all those doulas who could benefit from it. And then honestly talk you up. Like talk it up that when you feel well supported, you say that shit out loud. Yeah. I think I have a question. Do you have a question? Am I being too loud? Can you hear me in the other room? Okay. Are you on a call that I'm interrupting? No? Okay. So basically you're like, so what the fuck? Do you call me? <laughs> yeah, I'm getting scared down here. Are you about to offer to make me something or Can help you? Can we not bolts now? there won't be any clippers touching this temple. Oh, okay. <laughs> keep that shit to yourself. I will keep that shit to myself. 
don't worry, I would never record you allowing me to do something like that. You wouldn't be allowed to do something like that. I know you're doing that to entertain everybody, but you know, <laughs> it's not fucking happening. I posted a picture or a, no. an article on it's, Facebook today. It's sick and unusual. That <laughs> it's sick and unusual. That you know, encouraged people to do the core on their body. You did what? You posted what? I'm going to go look at it right now. What? I posted an article to my personal Facebook page about people being bored during COVID. And so they're using clippers to decorate their bodies or their body hair using clippers. So, you know, just like people do it on the side of their head and stuff like that. Um, and I posted it and shared it with asking Roger if he's ready. And he came in here to announce that he is in no way, shape, or form ready. I am not entitled to clippers or to change his body hair. Great. He just so, wanted me to know that. So now I have editing on my list of things <laughs> to do today. In regards of body hair. Unless anyone else would like to weigh in on body hair. Very interesting. That Union Jack. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> the Canadian flag. That's what we'll do. That'll be weird. <laughs> did you not read the fine print when you married this guy? He didn't read the fine print. He did not read my fine print. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. So trainings, requirements, and trainings, and we're back. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed that I, little. I, um, Segway. Segway. Side, Side note. A little tiny little door away from, uh, I mean, hello. If you're not used to that by now, then what are you even doing here? True. Exactly. We don't stay on topic. Who are you think you're listening to? Um, right. What was I saying? Or Suzanne, you were saying, we we're talking about business support community. Oh yeah, the quality, again, we often cycle back to this, the importance of community in developing your business, whether you're in an agency, honestly, or if you're in a, uh, if you're, if you're solo, you know, building communities. So what yes. about, and, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. Well, I, I just realized I was kind of cutting off that, cutting off that entire discussion. So you, you finished. That's okay. That's a go away. I was just going to make up some bullshit. So go ahead. You talk. <laughs> well, I was going to say, okay, so that's about what to put into trainings. What about to take out of trainings? What isn't necessary in trainings? What is, what is still being beaten to death that we don't need to talk about anymore? Oh, goodness. Hmm. Or, or do that's trainings need to be, we just need to keep everything that's in there and then just add on at this rate. And, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why say trainings like Bebel Me and whatnot are, are, you know, they're better than just a weekend training because there's been so much change over the past 15, 20 years that, you know, I mean, when we did it, we kind of just plowed through, we did what we needed to do, but nowadays there's so much more that needs to be known so maybe you know 16 hour weekend trainings now are no longer enough i but do think that's it especially if you are going to be supporting people from again all walks of life who have their individual needs like how to address respect support those who have 
needs that might be different from what you think are quote unquote normal or who you generally have experienced in your in your practice, when to pass a client along it, like there's to someone who can better support. That's a big one because doula competition is a ridiculous piece of bullshit. Like, I feel like we need a whole segment on how to, what's, what's that phrase again? Like um, lack mentality or whatever, we're getting over lack mentality. Sometimes you are just not the right doula for somebody. And it's not because you're a bad person. It's because, you're not the right person for that person's birth. There's nothing wrong with you, but we, it's like ketchup and mustard. There's nothing wrong with either one, but one is your cup of tea and one isn't. There's really, I feel like there's so much around here where people are like, she's taking all the clients. Well, probably because you're walking around going, she's taking all the clients. You know, like it's a, mm-hmm. the mind games around this or feeling that need to hang on to a client or, and it doesn't play well for you either. The person who also chooses to take on somebody who you know in your gut, you should not take. You are either the wrong person for them or honestly, you don't wish any doula on this couple or this couple on any doula, you know? Um, because it's, it, we've all made the mistake, honestly. And maybe that's the best way is to make the mistake one time and you're like, fuck. I should have listened to that thing in my stomach that said this person, I was not the right person for this person. Um, mm-hmm. like I've taken on clients where partway through, I realize what's actually needed isn't doula support, but it is mental health support. Um, and, and I don't say that lightly and I don't even say that in jest. I have honestly been completely, I just, you just know this person is going to benefit from my support, but they also think that I'm their um, therapist and that I can fix things that I can't fix. Um, I can't fix your marriage. Um, I can't fix that someone talks to you that way. I can support you, but I can't fix that. I can't fix that you're having intrusive thoughts. Um, I, I can't fix that you have unacknowledged OCD. And that's what, why actually going into the hospital is freaking you out. And you're finding all these other ways to do it. Like you, we see things cause we've, we've worked with so many people cause I work with people who do acknowledge that they have these things and they have support to put in place and other people who are actively trying to avoid it. So um, I feel like we need to lend more to, to that than just the statement of knowing when to take a client, let a client go or, or actively pass them along to somebody who could better support them. Yeah. And I mean, what you about community is a big thing. I think that when I finish my doula training, well, I'm the person that will actively seek out community. Not everybody's like that. So I, that's how I found doula care and immediately started going to meetings because that's who I am. A lot of people will stay in isolation, grinding away all by themselves for a long, long time you know, just feeling very, very alone. And something in a training that says your doula community that's out there is important to you because we, it's an unregulated profession, but you don't need to be out there doing things on your own and reinventing the wheel and, and whatever, and, and knowing how to connect with people and how to build and seek out how to build your own community or seek out your own community. And then having that and fostering that 
notion of collaboration instead of competition would be helpful also. I didn't get that. I honestly thought I don't, I didn't get that at all. I have not heard the names of any of the people whose names I remember from my training, never heard their names again. I think I was the only one who really gave this a good shot and stuck with it. Um, I don't remember anybody from mine either, actually. Yeah, nobody. I think we I recently ran into someone from mine inadvertently. I, um, uh, she is in the birth world, but not as a doula. Um, she is in the uh, world of, oh my goodness, I'm losing my vocabulary. Anyhow, she's on the fringe of the birth world. And she and I, um, last year or a year and a half ago, set up a meeting and I walked in and I recognized her face. Um, but I actually went to a doula training with a friend of mine and she and I started off our business together before she moved to like, but fuck North, North Ontario, um, and left me, but, uh, not that I'm bitter or anything. She's back now, but, um, yeah, I went with her. <laughs> it was great. And we went because we wanted to do this work together. Now, Suze, you did your, some work with your sister, didn't you? Yes, but we didn't train together. Oh, okay. Together. I did my training, my birth training, and was a birth doula for a while. And then she decided, then we decided together to do the postpartum training. And then mm -hmm. we also did our childbirth educator training together and taught together at the same hospital and belong to the same agency and so on. So yeah, we did do that, but we didn't do, I didn't do my birth training. I started off by myself. Okay. And I, I did it with the intention of doing it with someone who I knew and I trusted because when, you know, it was the idea of not having backup right from the get-go, like not having, because you having families and being responsible to someone who's having a baby is, uh, can be contradictory if you don't have someone who can step up for you, either to look after your kids or to take over and, and comfortably support a family. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I can see why if, again, there's a lost opportunity to foster a community afterwards. I think there was a like, yeah, not a Yahoo group, but a mail list or something that I was on, um, but no one really utilized it. It was a uh, like I'd ask a question every once in a while and my trainers would get back to me, but no one else in the community really used it or said anything. And I think that lends to what you were saying is no one understands the value that is lost if you don't pursue the community angle of it. Yep. Like what a lost opportunity. We all did this training together. We're actually all from different parts of Ontario. Um, yeah, it was just a lost opportunity. Actually, even the person I went to the training with didn't use it. I'm like, why not? Stay in touch. These people were, some of these people were an absolute riot. Um, my, the person I went with and one other person from our class, we went walking down Young, we stayed at a hotel downtown for this training and we went walking down Young Street. We ended up staying up till three o'clock in the morning in a sex shop because we met up with, we uh, decided to befriend the person who was running the place and basically got a tour and we, anyhow, we had a great old time without alcohol, mind you. We just hung out and learned a whole bunch of stuff and howled all night. Um, so what a lost opportunity to keep in touch with people who have the same warped sense of humor as yourself, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I just <laughs> think that um, all aspects of this work should be touched on in some way in a doula training, whether that's a big way or a small way or a really superficial casual way that to me, that would be a, a whole and complete training. 
a training that touches on all the aspects of this work. Like not, not just the hands-on work. What do you do when doctors are rude to you in the hospital? You know, how do you connect with doulas in your community? Like stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So that's yeah, connecting with doulas in your community is different than saying how to get a backup. You know, yeah. two yeah. completely different things. If you're looking to just get something for yourself, then you're likely not going to get it. If you're looking to build something with community, then you're like, if you're going out there looking for that, then you're likely going to find it, you know, because mm -hmm. there's got to be other people out there doing the same thing. Yes. So the lending itself to the value of that. And if you can't find one, start one. Because yeah. I bet there's other people looking if you want to start a community. On, and honestly, that's what the OBDS did. They said, we need our own community. We got shit that's not being, you know, spoken about or prioritized. So let's do it. And look at you now. Yeah. And, and that whole notion of doula to doula peer support um, was such a big deal for me that we started in the OBDS the recently we just started two months ago, our social support care circles where yes. we who can come and we talk. It's only once a month, um, but that's a place where you can go to sort of vent your stuff or get ideas or commiserate with each other or whatever. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about or having a small circle of people that you can debrief and process a birth with, a difficult birth or ask questions about a, a difficult client or something. You, There's no reason why anybody should be out there alone, just trying to like machete their way through the rainforest all on their own. <laughs> Somebody's already cut a path. So <laughs> that's way better and easier. So there's a part too, is after the birth. So often we go, I, I primarily go after I see a client, um, or after I'm with a client, I do the follow-up visit, which is primarily helping them get through all the questions about having a baby. Why do my nipples look like this? All of things like that, helping with however you're choosing to feed your baby, those things. But some people really want to debrief their birth. Like they need to talk to somebody about it who wants to hear about it mm -hmm. and understands what they went through. So I think a whole segment on... I don't know, active listening is a, I don't like that term because um, it almost just sounds like repeating back, yeah. but tools for being able to help someone unravel, unpack, or even put into words their birth. I think that that would be a wonderful segment. So insightful, so helpful. Because I think after a birth, whether you've had the birth that you absolutely believed was miraculous and wonderful and went just the way you expected, um, or way that you hoped, or you feel the way you hoped, or someone who is at the absolute other end where feel they're what they want to curl a bit of ball at home. Um, having some simple tools to help you say things out loud, have permission to say things out loud, how to write it down, or even just a variety of suggestions. Um, being able to sit with somebody in that, I think is, is super helpful instead of just sitting there going, okay, tell me what you thought about your birth. Yep. That's a great opening, but there's other things that we can help with too, that give people permission to say the things that maybe they wouldn't, they're worried about saying. Oh, I just thought of something else that came up as a result of a conversation I had with one of my mentees earlier this week, where she was involved in a, 
in a client doula relationship. And she was super frustrated because the client was not asking questions and kept on and kept on taking her mom's outdated dumb advice and blah, 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 blah. And knowing, knowing how to step back. So I think that there could be a component in trainings where each of the participants in the training do some sort of exercise where they evaluate their birth values. What are your birth values? And then something else that allows them to see that your birth values are not everybody's birth values. So you're gonna have clients that are gonna be happy to go along with everything that their doctor says, even though you have a long list of questions that they should and could ask, but your client is not interested in those questions because they're happy just doing what their doctor tells them to do. Where do you put all of your passion? Well, you don't put it in onto this client's lap. And that's something that I had to learn. I had to learn that like right out there on the stage. (laughs) I would have benefited from um, some kind of acknowledgement because honestly, I left my training thinking, well, everybody wants a birth like this. I really did leave my birth, my training thinking everybody, like my birth values are universal. Who, who doesn't want the a birth like the ones they showed us in the video birth in the black sea and home water birth who doesn't want that? exactly kim doesn't want that so <laughs> i should not have been allowed to leave my training believing that my values were universal my values were also my trainer's values it was clear that those were their values they and i did have those values beforehand but they confirmed it and that's what I went out to the world to seek. And I learned after, I don't know how many births I went to that, oh, this, that's, not, that's not it. And so new doulas who are in training need to understand that. They need to do their own inner work and need to know how to not put all of their shit and all of their, their birth work dreams onto their clients. Yeah, that's another thing that, I certainly did not get that. And a lot of these things are hard. Like a new doula doesn't know, like somebody who, a potential doula who's signing up for her training for the first time, they don't know what they don't know. You know what I mean? So some of these things are easy. Oh, I'm going to look for a training that's inclusive. I'm going to look for a training that, you know, is accessible, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of new doulas don't know what they should be looking for. And this, this, what I just mentioned, that example is another one of them. You're not going to know that that's a thing until you're out there actually doing the work. Well, I think when I, when I chose Kappa's training, I, and I mean, 15, 20 years ago, there wasn't that, there wasn't the plethora of them that existed now, but I had been looking at Dona and then somebody in some Yahoo group said, you know, read their scope of practice, read their mission statement and, and, and go with what speaks to you. So when I read Dona's, it was almost like, and I'm 100% paraphrasing here, 15 years ago, it felt like it was like, you know, it didn't, it's like, this is the way birth has to be, that it has to be unmedicated, that it has to be, you know, at home. It has like, that's kind of how it read. That isn't what it said, 
but that's how I felt when I read it. Yeah. And then when I read Cap, and for somebody who had three hospital births and two epidurals, that was like, well, fuck, maybe this isn't the career for me because that's not, that isn't me. And then I read Kappa's and it was like choice, choice, support choice, support choice. And I was like, yeah, that feels more like me. That feels more like I would be supported in yeah. this. Yeah. And, and yeah, like my training was not, you know, we talked about, you know, unmedicated birth and we talked about epidurals. We talked about home birth and we talked about hospital birth and that, and I'm really, you know, glad that I did that because while I haven't done a lot of hospital births and I haven't done a lot of um, unmedicated births, that's where I felt that I belonged at the time. So mm -hmm. you need to, I, I can't comprehend these, and I, I'm going to say this and I, I, at this point, I don't care what anybody thinks, but I can't comprehend people going onto a Facebook group going, what training should I take? Do your fucking homework. Mm -hmm. Actually dig into an organization, dig into them and see what speaks to you. Is there a training out there that speaks to you? And is the trainer that's training that particular class somebody who's going to speak to you? Like, it's not just about the organization itself, because organizations have trainers that maybe are, you know, a little sort of offshooty from from what they want. So you have to dig into it all. You have to look at who they represent and who they stand for. You have to look at what their trainings include. You have to talk to the trainer who's going to be there to apparently support you afterwards. So and if you're not getting that then let's look at the next one and let's look at the next one and let's keep looking until you find the one that's going to speak to you. Don't just don't just take it because you got that particular weekend off and that sounds like a good, you know, that sounds that's what I'm going to do. That's useless. Yep. That You're that pisses me off. And I think that's different than coming to the board and saying, hey, this is something that really speaks to me. Um, perhaps, you know, supporting this particular group of people who are birthing um, or educating or postpartum, this is something that really means a lot to me. Are there any trainings you've heard of that I might not have heard of that are lending their energies to that? Um, because there are a lot of, I think, again, what came out of 2020 was a lot of new trainings coming up that are small, that don't have a big marketing budget. Um, but word of mouth in the doula world can spread quickly. So if you'd come in knowing what you want, I'm looking to really get some education on this. Are there any trainings that lend themselves to it? That's different than just coming in and saying, I'm thinking of being a doula. Tell me where I should go. It's like, well, that's like saying, tell me what's important to you. Um, <laughs> Cause then I'll just take that on myself. No, it is important to go do some of that work yourself. It's not like small trainings either are bad trainings. Like, yeah, there's, there's the big guys, you know, there's the ones that have been around for years that, you know, train thousands of people a year. But that doesn't mean that that's the way you should go if they don't if they don't particularly speak to you you know maybe there is some little you know just regional training in a particular area and now that everything's freaking virtual you can get in on this stuff and you can and if that training is like amazing to you then why not go for it yep 
Exactly. Small doesn't right. mean bad. No, no, no. Sometimes small is the best. Small, sometimes well, 100%. What you need. Yeah, so as you're going through, who knows, maybe we have experienced doulas who are also saying, you know, I'm acknowledging now that things, I didn't get what I needed, or I didn't look into my own values when I was doing a training. Maybe there's a training out there where I can sit in on this community who values the thing, same things I do and do a training now. There's never a bad time to go back and get a bit more education or see that education through a different lens. Um, like everyone in the world knows that I love trainings and it's, or now they do, but, um, yeah, go do it. There, just because you've done a training doesn't mean you shouldn't do another. If you have the funds and the time right now, I highly encourage people to do it. You might find yourself a whole new community in that training that you didn't even know you needed. Exactly. There's, There's one wrong. in, uh, there's one in Vancouver that I would love to take, but I'd have to live there because it's like, it's like a couple months long um, that I, I looked up and had to, and had to vet for the AOD Pacific Rim. Oh, mm -hmm. it covers so much amazingness. It's, mm -hmm. but you'd have to, you'd have to hang out there for a few weeks. <laughs> I totally do that one. Friend of mine in the States, Earth, Earth National um, it's, it's, it's like 14 months long. It's like a fucking university course. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they cover, I think it's all, all kind of like full spectrum. So you'd get birth and postpartum and on uh, all sorts of other stuff. My God, this curriculum is, it is like a school. It is a course, a program. And they do have people moving and traveling and coming from far away to do this program. So how cool would that be? So that stuff is that kind of training is out there. It might not be accessible to you geographically, especially now with COVID and borders closed and so on. But you do have to do your research and examine yourself and your own values and understand that your values belong to you. Uh, they don't, they're not anybody else's values. And your trainer and the training organization may or may not reflect those values back to you. So yeah, keep all of that in mind. Well, it's, that, that's big because, you know, identifying your values then will help you identify where your bias windows might be. Exactly. And then you can work on how do I put my bias windows, my little sections, how do I put those in blocks and put them to the side so that I can create value, create what I need to in this birthing space with this family um, or this postpartum space with this family? How do I put that aside? Or, or do I want to? Does it make me so uncomfortable how this family exists in the world that I honestly, I'm not doing my best job? So this is where you get to say, but I know somebody or I know an organization who really would be able to lift this family up. Mm -hmm. Because it is okay to own that we all have histories that impact how we exist in the world. So if you exist in the world in such a way that you cannot support there, that you can't do it the way you want to do your job, there's all sorts of people in this world who probably can. And it's nothing against you. You are not bad. You just don't have the life experiences or did have life experiences that put you in a place where you're not 
able to do your be your best self with this family. So pass them along. Unless of course they or are how racist to, yeah. or how to tell when it's time to just tell people, fuck you, go have your baby by yourself. Don't look to me to help you out in any way. Goodbye. Exactly. <laughs> that so happens to me. <laughs> if you are biased against racist folk, it's okay. You don't have to do anything with it for them. <laughs> It's, if you have a bias about that, you know, but um, yeah, so being, giving people permission to do that. Sometimes I think we really do need that. Like if people need permission just to spend money often on a training, you need, if you need your, your community to lift you up to say, no, you don't have to support a family that is that far out there and or assholes or whatever it is. It's okay to just say no. It's okay to pass people along um, or to do whatever you feel is the right thing to do, but try and figure out what the right thing to do is. Yeah. Don't go in blindly. Okay, my darlings, it is three minutes past 12, which is three minutes into my eating window. So <laughs> I need to go and okay. eat. I haven't eaten yet. So I've got some salmon and some cauliflower rice and some yuchoi that I've fried. Oh my God, so delicious. Um, Sounds vomit and Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> making me want to vomit with your fish stories <laughs> i know and the strange thing is i i get it i understand when somebody goes oh i hate fish i don't eat any kind of fish i'm like i hear you i just happen to love it <laughs> all right um, cool yes i understand your disdain i just don't share it that's fair enough <laughs> i also hate cauliflower too <laughs> Oh God. So this whole, yeah, this everything you just described makes me want to vomit. <laughs> oh, yuck. I don't All even right. know what that last thing was. It's like a, it's a Chinese green. Yeah. Green. I probably hate that if it's green. Yep. Nope. Green. Nope. <laughs> but Kim, you ate broccoli this week. And you yeah, I ate it. broccoli. No, broccoli. I ate it. I didn't love it. It was okay. I like, but it was also raw. Yeah. Cooked broccoli oh, is nasty. Oh. oh. Do you think it smells, it smells like a fart? It's, I don't know. It does covered. Yeah. I no. love broccoli so much. Rocks, cooked, roasted, stir fried, whatever. I love broccoli. And I there's hate Chinese vegetables. Broccoli, Chinese broccoli called Gailan that is, I also have that in the fridge too. So, but there's enough of this other one. It's so, so good. Love it. Love it. Are you celebrating Chinese New Year? Yes, not tonight, which is the night when people typically have like their big dinner, but it will be amended and modified this year because of you know what. Um, so we are gonna have, we'll probably just, I'll probably just make something like that's Asian-ish, like yu shui or gai lam that I have in the fridge. Um, I don't know, but we're gonna do, actually this afternoon, I am going to go to, get stuff for my grandkids for their their lucky money envelopes and and stuff so they'll get like a little package of uh chinese uh, lunar new year stuff and uh valentine's day stuff cool yeah yes all right so, so everyone have a lovely valentine's day this weekend mm -hmm. love yeah. yourself love someone else you mean sunday? sunday sunday have a good Whatever. sunday Whatever. Um, eat some chocolate 
eat some chocolate, buy yourself some roses, some flowers. There's a roses shortage. Will be there's a what? What? There's a roses shortage. Oh, I thought you meant there was. A, I thought you said there was a chocolate shortage. After no, that. no, no. There's oh. a roses shortage. Apparently, okay. due to COVID. Good God. Really? Oh, you won't get your roses. Ugh, don't care. I don't like roses that much. I don't like roses either. I don't like red roses. I like pale pink roses or unusual colored roses, but I don't really like. I like, I like getting a cactus because <laughs> okay. I can't kill them. <laughs> oh, well, they can be killed. I have several upstairs I can show you. <laughs> let me tell you something they could surely be killed look if it grows and it's it not human i can kill it yeah if you feel homicidal towards your cat your cacti and you want them to die just send them to my house or kim's we'll share yeah you'd i don't even have to put in any effort they just walk <laughs> in the door and they're dead I just, All right. i've got a plant there i have to throw out right you're a person that celebrates Lunar New Year, if you celebrate Valentine's Day, if you are in Ontario and it's going to be Family Day on Monday, enjoy all of that shit. Enjoy yeah. it, Max. Whatever all it right. is you want to do, do it. Do it. Yes. All right. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe and tell your friends. That's right. And come back next week. Yes. We'll be here again. We will. Every week. Yeah. All right. Have a good one. Bye, guys.